Welcome. You are listening to the Cover to Cover podcast, lively conversations with cutting edge authors, hosted by Mary Elizabeth Jackson. Mary is an author, advocate, and educator. Join us to find your new favorite author, book, or inspiration. And now, here's Mary. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. Uh, I'm always excited to when I get to meet new authors and new folks in this world who are just doing very empowering work. And uh, today's guest I have on is someone who has a lot of passion, and um, I have a very big passion for the work that this doctor does. So have you ever... I want you to think about something for a second. We're going to talk about transforming an uncontrolled mind into a creative mind in four simple steps. Wouldn't that be fantastic? So we are going to get that information today on this show. Thank you guys so much for being here. So my guest today is Dr. Jamie Panada, is a professor of cognitive science, neuroscience, and psychiatry at the University of California in San Diego, and the author of many widely cited papers in animal and human cognitive and systems of neuroscience, as well as two books of poetry on mind-brain relationships with an emphasis on spirituality, mysticism, environmentalism, and social activism. A lot of isms there. His <laughs> new book is called Controlling Mental Chaos, Harnessing the Power of the Creative Mind, which, okay, all my creatives out there, you're going to love all this, right? So uh, Dr. Panada, thank you for joining me today. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much for having me. I'm so excited you're here right now. And and uh, I still I am getting over a really yucky something. So it sometimes I'm tripping up on my words still from my mind, my nose. And uh, everyone I know here has had whatever has floated by <laughs> recently. But uh, um, anyways, you know, I, I want to start with asking you about this book, you know, why you why why did you want to write it? And because the book world is so saturated, um, I know as an author, we almost have to like stand beside our book on a shelf with a band, right? To get people's attention, you know, to read our book. But you know, what, how, what makes your book different than other books in this field? Yeah, no, that's a good question. So uh, the reason I wrote it is because I was one of uh, many people who suffer from mental chaos. And, uh, and I went through the experience and given my background, I had spent 30 years studying the brain and the mind and what, what causes certain aspects of our behavior, you know, spent 30 years doing that. And then an equal number of time, uh, I spent doing mindfulness meditation, contemplative practices. And of course, after 30 years of both, there were a number of insights that I had about controlling mental chaos. And I thought, well, you know, this is, I, I should write this, this up because it helped me and I want to help others who are going through this similar thing. So that was the main reason. Now, why, how is it different? Um, I think there are a couple of reasons uh, why it differs. One is because it comes from a very personal experience from someone who has a lot of background on mind-brain uh, relationships. And so what I try to do is not only talk about 
the spiritual or the psychological aspects of it. I try to say, what is it in the brain that that's actually correlating with that experience? What what do we know now that can account for these things? So that's a new a new twist. And then the the second major aspect is I I came to a realization that problems viewed from a different perspective can be considered opportunities instead of problems. And so instead of seeing things as negative and I need to get rid of this and my anxiety and my fear, I got to put it away somewhere, to think of it, well, what is the body trying to tell me? These are signals that the body's trying to tell me something. And if I attune to that, I can tweak my mind to look at it differently. And so um, so I come from that perspective that, that, that these are really important signals. And in fact, I call chaos uncontrolled creativity. That is, our mind is trying to creatively answer things, but it's not able to handle the, the issues somehow. Uh, and if you can just tweak it a little bit, you get into what I call controlled creativity, which then sees the problem from this different perspective and gives you different answers, better answers, and so forth. So those are two main differences. Well, I love that. And so what you're teaching people to do is to go from a place of being in fear, which is where we we automatically go, right? When we feel out of control, because we got to protect ourselves and save ourselves, especially through the pandemic that was just loaded with fear for years mm. and loss and grief and all kinds of things. Um, so most people have post-traumatic stress from all that period of time. Mm. Even mm. our youngest children do. Um, um, stress from the school systems, kids being so behind, and, and it's prevalent everywhere. Um, but I love that what you're trying to teach is teaching somebody to go, oh, instead of being afraid, um, or like, I need to just compartmentalize that, put it on a shelf so I can deal with it later, to go, what is my body trying to teach me? Which is some of the oldest ancient teachings out there, isn't it? Yes, it is indeed. You know, and, and one thing that most psychologists will tell you nowadays is that in order to deal with fears, you need to face them. You need to, you know, confront them. You can't avoid them. And this is essentially what this is saying. But keeping in mind that that fear is really your mind trying to tell you what the problem is and that it can't resolve it and it needs help. <laughs> right. So it's, 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 a, I see it as a friendly kind of thing, not as a unfriendly negative thing that you need to avoid. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and I, I have a, I have a, you may want to check her book out, but I have a friend who wrote um, a book because it, I think she was 51 and she decided she didn't want to be afraid anymore. And mm -hmm. so, uh, I think she faced a day a fear every single day that year. And so she's written a book about it. Now she's, I mean, she's very powerful, you know, just a ball buster, go-getter, you know, woman. And um, I love that she did that for herself, but she has inspired so many other women to do it, you know? Wonderful. Um, okay. So um, tell me about the, the uniqueness of your book and the relationship between creativity and anxiety. And I know we've a little touched about that, but you know, can you go into more depth about that? Yeah, so I would say that the, the main problem that we all face is that we have a lot of information coming at us all at once, right? We're, we got problems at home, problem with our kids, problems at work, 
we and then we turn on the TV and we see the wars going on in the world. We see the political instability, right? And and your mind is trying to deal with all these things all at once, and we are we feel overwhelmed. We feel like we're drowning, right? And part of that is because our the mind that we use, typically use, to look at the world and try to solve problems is what psychologists call resource limited. It can only handle one or two things at a time, right? But when you handle 60, 70 different things, it just gets overwhelmed. It can't do it. Fortunately, right. there's another aspect of, of our mind which is called open awareness. Uh, it has a different different names, uh, witnessing attention, etc. That opens up your mind and can look at 60, 70 different problems all at once and can tell you the relationship between these problems and, can, and does it in a very calm way. And so part of what's happened is we have not cultivated that aspect of ourselves too much. Our, our culture has really emphasized the other aspect, which is the problem-solving, limited resource abilities that we have, because we want to go in there and you know solve things, and we don't step back and look at the big picture, calmly, relax, and see this 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 other uh, what I call open awareness, and and so the what my book argues is that we have those capabilities, both of them, and we need to cultivate the one that we're lacking, the open awareness, which will give you this sense of, ah, this is what's happening. And then it'll turn it over to our problem-solving mind, right? So we need to find a, a balance between these two things, cultivate one and then find a balance between the two. So that's the uh, issue as I see it. So, so, so important what you're saying, especially for A-type personalities. I'm a mom. And so to me, I, I, I kind of label myself as a problem solver, right? Your child comes to you with a problem. Mommy has to solve it when they're, you know, from the time they're born, we're trying to figure out that why is the baby crying? What is happening? You know, so we get trained in that mindset and we have to really make that effort to learn a new way um, either from the beginning, if you already know it, or somewhere in there, you've got to learn how to how to do what you're talking about. And that is open awareness and kind of coming at it from a more Zen place, I guess. You know, very we deep breathe. We've done some Tai Chi. I did a little Tai Chi this morning. So really we got my day going and setting and flowing. And and uh, but our society is not set up for that, is it? That's our right. Society That's right. set up for go, go, go. And I know I'm a multitasker. And there are some days I go, oh, I'm sort of proud of that, you know, right? Being a mom, we're we're supposed to be able to have the baby on the hip and cooking the food. And then there's children running all around us. Right. <laughs> and, and so, uh, but it doesn't mean that's healthy. You know, um, we are talking today. I say, we, I am talking today <laughs> to Dr. Jamie Panada and controlling mental chaos, harnessing the power of the creative mind. Now you can find this book on Amazon and anywhere books are sold. You need to get a copy of this. And, uh, J Jamie, I want to ask you, um, about the four, you know, because I started this segment out talking about the the four simple steps. So can you touch on those for us? Um, you know, from going through that chaos mind to more of a creative mind. Yeah, um, you know, so it, it's 
it's simple yet it's not simple right so so these are four steps that i think are are the critical steps that will take you from one to the other and so the first uh the four steps are what i call ruby and ruby r u b i ruby stands for to recognize the problem to understand the problem to find balance and then to implement so recognize understand balance and implement so those are the the four steps and and so the first step is to recognize the fact that that you have a problem so you're facing mental chaos and the question is why and so the the argument i make is that the reason is because you're trying to use tools that are not appropriate to solving those problems you need to get into another mindset that allows you better tools right and the, and that other mindset is what i call open awareness so that's the first step to recognize the problem and understand that there is a solution to it so those are the first two steps recognize and understand and then the balance is once you start practicing say mindfulness meditation or yoga or breathing or that gets you into this open awareness state is to recognize that it's a balance that you have to find you can't be in one all the time you can't be in zen or you know all the time you have to solve problems and the wonderful thing is that our mind utilizes both of these states works with each you know uh quite well and so that's the the third step is to find this balance between problem solving and being sort of open uh witnessing you know etc and then finally the implement is is just the doing of the you know certain strategies that will get you there and i suggest mindfulness meditation as kind of the easiest and most effective way of doing it but people can find it in yoga they can find it in dancing they can find it in any number of uh, exercises uh, to get you to the state where uh, you 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 open yourself to the world basically and 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 let it be and and you know um i do a lot of walking at the beach for example and i just sit there and, and watch the beauty of the sunset and just open my mind to it so that's that's the practice and and i can then tell you you know what that takes you to a place of uh that's that's helpful so those are the four steps so you know i i know that people say things like that like walking on the beach and it, and it's it's um it's not overrated. I mean it it is because nature really vibrates at the same vibration that we are intended to vibrate at. We vibrate it like man, racing cars and you know, all kinds of meetings and we got to get kids here and I know in the morning time it's not relaxing ever. You got to get out the door by a certain time because we got to get through the traffic to the school, you know. So, I mean, all of these things that you're talking about, even writing, writing is a is a great tool that I use because I get everything out of what's inside of me onto paper, then I can see it better or I can throw it away or whatever I need to do. Um but it, these are also vitally important for the mental health well-being of ourselves because we don't operate at an ideal uh, pace for any of us. Um, Absolutely. And we certainly were put up against things that even, you know, my mom seven. My mom is eighty-two years old. In her lifetime, since she would, the pandemic, what it reminded her of, she said, was when she was a child and the depression was going on. And mm -hmm. listening to the radio, that's the, the feeling she had during the pandemic. But other mm -hmm. than that, 
people her age really haven't, you know, like a global thing like it has been. So, you know, we're, we really do have to come back to, okay, you know, I know the news says it's not going to be okay. We have to put ourselves in a bubble almost, don't you think? Absolutely. And, you know, I I do want to emphasize that, that idea that this aspect of mind that I'm arguing we need to cultivate is always there. Everyone has access to it, you know? So every time, let's say you read a book, and you get so engaged in the book that you you, you sort of fall into it. That, that's letting open awareness take you into that place of, you know, rest. And Or when you're looking or uh, hearing music and you simply let yourself experience the music, right? So we all have those moments. Or when we just simply just pause, you know, we're running around hectically and then we just pause and say, ah, that's a moment of you're letting open awareness in. The thing is, we need to cultivate those things because we we normally just do them, you know, every once in a while. We need to cultivate it so that we're always, or most of the time, we can call that state at will. We can say, oh, okay, now I'm letting this thing be, and you rest in that. Um, so, So it's something innate in us. It's not something unique to anybody. And you can practice it and cultivate it. And, and the, the key is to practice. You need to cultivate it over and over and over until it becomes no, a normal, natural uh, process. Right. It's like going to the gym and working out and using a muscle. <laughs> and in you know, Tai Chi, they say that it takes, uh, you know, 100 days to implement new behavior, new patterns, mm-hmm. or, or, you know, that kind of thing. So you're planting that seed and then you reap that harvest, you know, at the end of a hundred days. But um, I mean, and I know some of this may sound, you know, like trivial to people out there, but, you know, you need to really listen to what he's talking about. I mean, he's got 30 years experience of trying things out and seeing what works in the degrees in education behind you, don't you, to say, you know, this really, really works and is really helpful. Anything that helps us to slow down, and surrender. Surrender is a big deal. Uh, yes. We're we're so, um, you know, you can walk into certain places and you feel like you've got to put like a shield around you because you can pick up on the energies of others and you can feel the tension in the room. You know, like they say, oh, you cut the tension in the room with a butter knife, right? So, um, you know, we we we're not immune to all that. You know, uh, in the sense that we have to learn how to keep it out there but make our center peaceful in order to, and I know raising children and then working and, and all the stuff that that's on a plate for our mom or family. Um, it's very needed to do this. Um, okay. So what are some of the scientific explanations of anxiety and the uncontrolled mind or why are, I'm sorry, why are scientific explanations of anxiety and the uncontrolled mind necessary? Yeah. So, so this is, uh, uh, a, a main point of my book, trying to argue that if you if you can understand it from the scientific perspective, it actually gives you more motivation to try it, to do it, right? So here are at least two uh, things that science is telling us why this state of mind, this open awareness is important. The first thing is it bypasses ego thinking. So when you're in that state of mind, where you're just simply letting things be, letting things in. There are areas of the brain that are involved in ego thinking that calm down. So when you're in open awareness, you're bypassing this sort of ego that gets in the way of things, right? 
So that's one thing. And then the second thing, which is really important, this is like for the creative individuals, when you put yourself in that kind of mindset, you have more access to the creative nature of your mind. We go into what's called divergent thinking. This is the kind of creative individuals engage in, where you start making connections, novel connections with things. So this, this state of mind allows more of that. So it puts you in a more creative state, right? And we know this from the science. It, it isn't just, uh, you know, um, it, it, there's scientific basis for this. Um, so those are two reasons. And, and I think if you get into the book and, and you want to learn more, I think it provides the motivation. Oh, okay, this is why I'm doing it. This is why this works, right? There's, there's science behind it. Right. Yeah. Well, and that certainly is motivation to do it because it's not just somebody saying it. There's been yeah. studies done, right, for for yeah. that. Um, okay. So, uh, is an intel is an intellectual understanding of the problem sufficient to undo it? And <laughs> no. <laughs> I, I, you've been yeah. kind of saying that over and over again, but we're going to ask that question anyways to reiterate because. You know, there there are those of us who, you know, there are people out there who don't really understand that concept of e ego. Well, because, you know, for so long, ego is like, oh, the person who's around bragging, but a person who doesn't really live that way, you know, I mean, their understanding of an ego is is maybe, you know, well, how do you bypass that? You know, but like you're saying, you have to surrender and go into it, that space. Sometimes you have to bypass it. So, so again, you know, I don't want to say we need to get rid of ego. We need to get rid of all these things because the ego is actually uh, essential. It, it, it was a protective mechanism, but now it gets in the way. It was a protective mechanism when we were young, when we were uh, vulnerable. Uh, but now as we're adults, we recognize that we got into certain patterns of behavior of protection that are actually getting in the way and we need to overcome those things. That's the ego that we need to overcome. But the ego itself is really a sense of yourself. And there's a healthy sense of ego that you have to develop where, you know, you see not yourself as the center of the universe, but yourself as part of the natural world as part of others, of a family, of a world, you know, in relationship to others. That's a healthy sense of ego that we should encourage, right? Uh, discourage the unhealthy parts. The narcissistic one. We want to discourage <laughs> that. Yes. Absolutely. We'll go ahead and put a label on it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. So, well, yes, I. It, it's very, the, all of that's very important. Okay, and, and another question that I think is also very important is, uh, you know, what is self-parenting? Mm. Um, and I, I understand what it is, but for someone who may not understand what the term is, um, you know, it's actually very healthy. Yes, yeah, so this is part of that first step of recognizing the problem. Uh, and say you recognize, okay, I have an unhealthy ego. I, I'm a narcissist, you know, and I need to do, I need to do something about it. Well, part of it is to understand why are you a narcissist? Is it because you didn't get the kind of caring and love that you should have gotten when you were young, when you were an infant? And this led to all sorts of things that, you know, uh, express themselves as narcissism. And, and so self-parenting is to love yourself, basically, is, is to provide the nurturing and the love that you might have missed 
that turned you into a narcissist. And by doing that, by doing self-parenting, uh, self-love, you sort of uh, fill in the holes, if you will, right, that you were missing and, and create a more stable personality. I mean, it isn't going to resolve the problem. It isn't going to replace the love that you were missing, but it can to a certain extent, and it gives you more stability. And, and then you can move on to the next steps in, in uh, getting to the transformative step, which is uh, the open awareness. Right. And it also helps to bring comfort. You know, if you can, I, I, and you know, I'm, you probably use this, you know, using that self imagery of you as a child and mm -hmm. seeing you as a parent coming in and giving yourself that love uh, or whatever that you didn't get to help heal that, to let you know, you're okay, you know, as an adult. I mean, most people, are, I, I, I know that we're all, lots of us, are, and, until we come to this place of awareness that you're talking about, we're running around reacting in the world to our things, our wounds, right? Our yes. cracks, our wounds, our childhood. So we have all these adults trying to be adults and then making decisions based on wounds and hurts. Absolutely. Um, and not even realizing that it's going on. And it's not a blame thing. It's just, it's like you're talking about going back to that awareness. So, you know, I, I really feel like three things that are so important for people is to, to do that ownership, like what you're talking about, that responsibility for what they're doing or, or, or going from being this kind of person to a, you know, a healthier person if they mm -hmm. need to, or just knowing themselves better and, and not coming from a place of, okay, my wounds. And then, you know, what is our motivation and the things that we do, right? Yeah. Um, are we, are we doing this because we have an old childhood hurt that we didn't even realize is there, but it's rearing mm -hmm. its ugly head, you know, and then what are we vibrating at, you know? So we want to, yes. our energy is so powerful. Um, especially with children, children pick up on everything, don't they? Even oh, if, yeah. if you go, I'm fine, honey, everything's great. <laughs> I know my kids do it to me. Mom, you're lying. What's going on? You know, <laughs> I'm like, well, there was this crazy driver on the way home, you know, but it's not something I really want to talk about to them because it's done it over with. But, uh, um, okay. Can you explain what present moment centering is? As one of yeah, my so, <laughs> um, so my recommendation is to use mindfulness meditation and, and uh, the easiest way to, get into a mindfulness meditation is to simply be present in the moment. We can do it right now, you and I. We can say, where am I? What's happening to me at this moment? And how am I feeling about it? But just simply recognize it and not try to solve anything. Just say, I am here. I am in this moment. So being present is a mindfulness practice that you can do anywhere, anytime. You don't need to sit down on a cushion. You don't need to devote time. You can be washing the dishes and you can say, what am I doing? I'm washing the dishes. I am here at this moment, present. You can be driving in a car and you can say, what am I doing? I'm driving, you know, and it's, it feels this way, right? So, so being in the present moment takes you into that space that I, that I call open awareness, right? It puts you in that I am here, I am this moment, I'm letting things be. So that's the idea. Present moment centering just simply means that anytime 24 seven, you can, you can do this practice, you can be in bed and say, what am I doing? Oh, I am gonna go to sleep, I'm resting, right? I am opening up to that, that uh, sensation. 
Yeah. Right. And, and I'm not in the past and I'm not in the future and I'm not dwelling on anything. And that's what the, it's what the main keys of your book are about is yes. getting in this space. So do we have a few minutes left? So could you mm -hmm. read um, a little excerpt from your book for us? And I'm going to remind everybody the title so they can go get a copy, get a copy for yourself, your friend, your family. Christmas is coming up. So, you know, <laughs> controlling mental chaos, harnessing the power of the creative mind. And it's by by Dr. Jamie Panetta, and um, he is going to read a little bit from it for us. Yeah, so this is uh, gets to the heart of what we just uh, talked about. It says, the solution to the dysfunctional, uncontrolled mind is not to get rid of it, but to place it in the proper environment or context. We can do this by training the mind and guiding the dynamics back to their natural and original state to deal with the challenges of living in the present moment. We do that by cultivating open awareness. When we do that, this uncontrolled mind returns to its innate creative nature. Mm, that's really beautiful. That is so beautiful. So you, anyone listening out there, you've got to go get a copy of this book. Um, you know what, give it to your kids uh, because our kids have stresses that they never did before the pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> Bless their heart. And they're still, you know, my experience is they're still trying to uh, recover from it, just like a lot of a lot of people are. Um, and um, I thank you so much for joining us today here on Cover to Cover. And um, I can't wait to have you back on. I would love to talk more about this because I think it's so important for uh, it affects every one of us, doesn't it? Yes, it does. And thank you for the opportunity to uh, share, you know, my thoughts with you and, and your listeners. Oh, absolutely. So where can everybody find you? Uh, my website is called The Unencumbered Mind. Okay. The Unencumbered Mind. Okay. And dot, dot com, by the way. Dot com. Okay. Okay. And when I put this podcast out, um, the, every all that information will be in the description. Wonderful. Yeah. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you so much. Have a okay. blessed everyone and do something nice for yourself. Thank you for being a part of our audience today. Please subscribe, like, and share the podcast with your friends and tune in for the next episode of Cover to Cover for all things in the author world. <laughs>